Welcome to Josh Scanlon Podcast. It is Tuesday, May 28th, 2019. We're going to talk more into financial industry shenanigans. Ah, oh, man, this stuff just drives me crazy. I don't, I don't understand. I just, literally, I just don't get the naysayers and negative Nellies and everything. It's just, it's so doggone frustrating. And uh, <laughs> I guess it's my mission to I don't know, shine the light against these people. I don't even know what it is, I frankly, but uh, we're going to talk about it. So I appreciate you being here. If you don't mind listening to the uh, the sponsors here real quick, and then we'll get cracking. Thanks, now. All right, so, so let's first talk about a Yahoo Finance article I saw today. Uh, that's <laughs> why the stock market is one or two bad economic reports from a collapse. This is written this morning, uh, uh, May 28, 2019, from a guy, a guy named Brian Sozi. Not sure who he is with. Let's see if I can find uh, his firm. And uh, let's see. He's the editor at large of the first trade at Yahoo Finance. So I don't know what that is, but okay. All right. So, of course, you know, it's good clickbait because why the stock market is one or two bad economic reports away from a collapse is absolutely. Uh, I'm like, huh. All right. What are those one or two things? I don't believe that to be true, but I'm, you know, I'm sitting here. Let's see what this guy has to say. Maybe I'm missing something, i.e. the perfect thing of clickbait. And look, clickbait's not necessarily a bad thing, by the way, my friends. Clickbait just says, hey, I want to in- in- engage you. And to do that, I do it the most uh the way that gets your most eager to listen to my story. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. It is a bad one. It's a bait and switch, all right? And that's what clickbait in the, I don't know, you, well, you know what the traditional clickbait is. Hey, this will be, tell you how to be a millionaire. And then the first thing, you got to buy all these goods. That's a call of bait and switch. All right. So let's read, Brian. Uh, Just because the market, investors need to wake the hell up, says Brian. Just because the market is holding up well during the past month or so of dreary trade war headlines doesn't mean everything is finally is fine and dandy. The signs are starting to build that the global economy is cooling down more quickly than many balding pundits and aging stock price predictors would have investors to believe. Balding pundits. Okay, that's a little bit classist or ageist, I should say. Consequently, valuations on stocks are well overdue for a significant haircut. Huh, what's a significant haircut? Not that the drip, drip, drip BS investors have endured the past month uh, are only down 3.8, 4.1% respectively on the S&P and Dow. Think 10% nosedive or more. In other words, a classic collapse. So remember, the headline is a, away from a collapse. And what does O'Brien say? It collapses a 10% decline. I mean, my goodness, my friends. If you look historically, and one of these days I'm going to get to this J.P. Morgan uh, study that they always do, and I just have it. Literally, I'm looking at it right now. I just don't have the time to do it. Every year from high to low, the average is a 14.4% decline in the market from top to bottom or peak to trough every year, even in years where the market is up significantly uh, over the course of that calendar year. Within the year, there's always a significant, what Brian would call a collapse. Ah! Nuts. Uh, so a 10% nosedive or more happens every year. It's no big deal. And if the funny thing was valuate, he says uh, uh, valuations or stocks are well overdue for a significant haircut. Well, what did we just have last at the end of the, the fourth quarter of 2018? It was a 20% decline haircut. That was a bear market. So I don't get it. Anyway. Uh, investors entered the post-Memorial Day long weekend, oddly still feeling pretty good. And he's saying you should not feel pretty good. The Dow just capped off his fifth straight weekly loss. The last time that has happened was the first time that happened since 2011. 
Yet remain, there remains this hope that the market rally will soon return and the declines of late are normal given the uncertainty around global trade. All right. Uh, going in gloss in this rose-colored glasses backdrop is mounting evidence that the trade war is taking its hold on companies around the world. Again, the trade war they blame on, on the Trumpster. I just I love, laugh at that. What was China been engaging in for the last 25 years, uh, sir? Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just we are now fighting for once. And you might not like Trump or anything, but you don't have to be a, a right winger or a Republican to support what Trump's doing. Even a Biden, what was it Biden or is Chuck, uh, uh, Chuck Schumer support Trump taking on China? I'm sure Bernie Sanders would have good things to say about it, too. But, you know, he's got to get the, the nomination of the left first. Some noteworthy po uh, points from the battle trenches. The fight to safety has continued. The 10-year Treasury is at its lowest uh, yield since October 2017. Okay, well, but what happened from October 2017 to October 2018? The market ran up like a crazy man. It was October 2018 to the end of December. It went down, but then from 1 January 2019 until essentially uh, today, is up another 15%. Uh, the yield curve inverted again on May 23rd. Remember the last time we heard the yield curve inverting was an uh, imminent sign of doom and, and the, despair. Uh, the U.S. manufacturing PMI for May badly missed Wall Street estimates and fell month over month. Sentiment among manufacturers hit its lowest level in nine years. The April reading on durable goods softened across the board. Copper prices are down 8.9% for the last four weeks. Right, I, just You can go on this uh Okay, I don't want to talk anymore about that. It's just it's boring to me. All right, so anyway, that's the uh, the doomsday scenario. You can always find doomsday scenarios. All right, but then I want to read this guy right here. So, all right, so the question was, are we in a, do we face a retirement crisis? Most Americans struggle financially in their golden years, says this guy from Morningstar. And I don't know that to be true at all. Do we have any evidence of that whatsoever? And he engages Pat as a panel uh, to deal with the financial crisis. All right. So, of course, I said, no, the purported retirement crisis is nothing more than a way for the industry to scare people into stay, uh, staying at work longer and instead of enjoying the remaining years of their lives. And some guy said, well, uh, John Bogle, see, the train wreck uh, doesn't uh, scare people and staying worker longer. That's what this guy would say. This guy was well known in the industry, actually. It's kind of bothered me that this guy would say that. But yet you read the John Bogle article, it says nothing of the sort of a retirement crisis. He just says the stock market returns and bond market returns going forward are going to be less than we normally see. So anyway, what, long story short, I saw that. And I, I responded to that. Uh, we talked. Another guy said, I think it's a bit more complicated uh, than just simply uh, taking the median household, which is what my argument was. And, and uh, okay, we just I argue about that. We can argue until we're blue in the face. But then we got this one guy per the latest Social Security trustees report. National average wage index is fifty three thousand eight hundred bucks for retiree turning uh, sixty five in two thousand nineteen. Benefit at full retirement age is twenty two thousand bucks. These benefits will be cut by 23% in 15 uh, years under current law at $4.4 trillion of unfunded public, center, public sector pension obligations and a median 401k balance of 63000 at Fidelity. Uh, call it what you will. It doesn't bode well. And I'm just sitting there thinking, dude, uh, he didn't read the study from Fidelity. The study just said current 401k balances at Fidelity. It doesn't say that's a median 401k that everybody has. Oh, it just says Fidelity looked at the median account value of the 401ks that are there right now. It's 63000 bucks. 
if you change firms, right, and you're 55 years old and you just started a new firm to get a page a pay weight wage increase, you probably rolled your previous 401k to another firm, an IRA, I mean. And on top of that, if you have a hundred and fifty thousand in your old 401k and left it there, you now have two accounts at Fidelity. Your balance is sixty-three thousand. We'll just say plus the one hundred fifty thousand bucks that was in there before. The Fidelity account doesn't show that. It just shows the median account balance of their current four hundred one k's. It's not meaningless, but it's completely underwhelming when you factor in how many people quit their jobs and roll to an IRA. Fidelity doesn't know that. Oh, oh, it drives me crazy. All right, so uh, this uh, Annette uh, says, the median account values always seem silly to me. How many people have all their retirement savings in one 401k account? Yep. Uh, my experience is that people have a trail of accounts from every job they ever had all over the place. It's one of the things that get them to go to a financial planner. There's no real meaning to that 63 k figure, and I cannot agree more. All right, but then we go down to this guy, a guy named Steve Church. He says, uh, there's most definitely a growing retirement crisis. And he says, only the uninformed and a few paid to intentionally mislead think there is no retirement crisis. And obviously, I think there's no entire retirement crisis. So either I'm uninformed or I'm paid to intentionally mislead. And I'm just, I don't, I'm still trying to wonder how that works. So inherently, I'm not uninformed because I'm informing these people about my thoughts. Doesn't mean they might not like it, but certainly not uninformed. Secondly, how am I paid to intentionally mislead? It's weird to me. All right. So what does old Steve Church say? He says, well, as a former pension actuary, I'll use a three-legged stool concept to illustrate pension, social security, and savings. In the private sector, pensions are being eliminated. S&P 500 companies offering pensions have dropped from about 75% of the S&P 500 companies in the early 1990s to 56% of companies today. In early 1990s, 75% were open to new employees and accruing benefits. Now only 21% are. 11% are closed to new employees but are still accruing benefits and 24% are frozen. The DOA, DOL, Department of Labor, has published data showing only 7% of private sector employees still accrue pension benefits. All right, so you get what we're saying here. He's saying back in the 1990s, 75% of the S&P 500 companies offered a pension. And now only 56% of the companies do. And only 24% or no, and only uh, 21% are, of those are open. All right. So listen to that. That's there. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. So, oh my goodness, 75% of the companies used to offer a pension, offer a pension, and now only 56% do. All right. We're going to talk about that because that's a silly argument. The corporate tax cuts will just about wipe out what is left of pensions. As an example, JP Morgan froze his U.S. plan to new participants in 2018. 18, it will stop accruing benefits. Okay, I don't know why it has anything. So this guy just obviously doesn't like Trump. I have no idea why that would affect the corporate tax cuts, especially when his argument was uh, back in 1990, 50, 75% of the S&P 500 offered pensions. Now 21% do. And he's saying that corporate tax cuts will wipe out the rest. That makes no sense. There's no correlation. It's, it's basically silly. But here he is. Uh, again, he's a former pension actuary. Uh, the public sector still provides defined benefits and have made very few cuts of any real nature. While they continue to approve benefits for most employees or retirees, the public sector is one-fifth of the workforce earns over 10 times the pension benefits earned by the entire – okay. So it's just basically going off on the public sector pension benefits. I got no qualm with that. I, that's 100% will have to be addressed at some point. But again, more reasons to be dismayed. And this – I literally did not understand this at all. 
the old age survivor income <coughs> OAS OASI part of the FICA. A replacement ratio peaked in the 1980s. The Greenspan Commission not only reduced benefits and introduced later retirement dates for future retirees, but it raised taxes from a combined 6% of pay to a combined 10% for future. Okay, I don't. So Social Security benefits were effectively cut by 50% under the Greenspan Commission. Um, I just literally I don't under I literally don't understand that. They were then cut again by another 10 percent by the Boskin Commission slashing of the CPI calculation. By I, I mean, I, I literally don't understand what his his I, that. <sighs> I mean, OK, that may be true, but that's nothing is changing about that now. That doesn't change the fact there's no retirement crisis today. And I'll share with you my reasonings here in just a second again. Saving. The national average 10% savings rate was reduced by 4% in the private sector to 6%. That is correct. The Greenspan Commission diverted 40% of private employee, private sector's employee savings potential to fund old age and survivor income. Okay. That's wrong. I mean, maybe, but that didn't mean it just disappeared there. Disappeared there, big guy. Uh Finally, 401k was never intended to do anything other than boost the third leg of the retirement stool. It was meant to be the cherry on top of the Sunday. Uh, it has failed. Only large companies have the resources and expense structure to offer effective plans to employees. I will not even get into potential future returns where bonds earn 2 to 3% instead of 6 to 8 and stocks are priced at the highest price. To, he says PS. I don't know what price to sales. Uh, today, private sector employees are by and large marching to retirement doom. Uh, those born after 1964 will generally have limited retirements. All right. Uh, only the, however, uh, only the uninformed and a few potentially internationally uh, and a few paid to intentionally mislead will think there is no retirement crisis. So my argument here, I'm just going to read it because this his stuff is incredibly silly. And I just heard you some of it, but let's just go into it. I said, Steve Church argues that the number of S&P 500 companies offering a pension is the equivalent to employee having one. Now, just because you worked at a firm that had a pension didn't mean you benefit from one. In fact, if anything, getting rid of pensions has been completely liberating to people who want to start their own thing or change firms in order to take advantage of pay increases. Changing firms is one of the best ways to increase your pay. In 1950, only 25% of the private workforce had a pension. In 1960, half had one. Thus, we've never been anywhere close to where most people had a pension in the private sector. Regardless of the 75% of the S&P 500 companies were offering one, the, 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 at the max that we had was in 1960, where only 50% of the people actually had one. Uh, yet in 1960, what was the contribu contribution amount to Social Security? It was 3% for both the employee and the employer. Fast forward to today, and it's what? More than double to 6.2% each. It's certainly going to rise as various bipartisan legislation, such as the 2100 Act, will eventually become law. So private pensions dropped. Social Security taxing more than doubled. The private savings rate is about 6% on average now. So for a typical worker, that's more than 18% being put away. 6.2 from you to Social Security, 6.2 from the employer, and on the median savings rate of 6%, that's actually 18.4% all told. Not too shabby. In fact, it's around historical, if not slightly higher, according to the St. Louis Fed. Uh, and then I just laugh. The idea I'm I'm only the uninformed and a few paid to intentionally mislead, I think there's no retirement crisis, is laughable. Frankly, beneath the dignity of even a reply, but having been in this business going on 25 years, my dignity has long been tossed out the window and such. There you go. 
All right. So again, my friends, we are looking at, I mean, just this guy says, if you're born after 1964, there's no chance uh, for a successful retirement. I, I just sit there and I, I just, I, I don't understand why the doom and gloom. I, I don't get it. I, I get it if it's political. I, I can tell this guy that he didn't like Greenspan. Greenspan was part of the, uh, the conservative area of uh, monetary policy. I mean, he came from, uh, he, he actually wrote the, uh, the prelude to an Ayn Rand mo- novel. So he doesn't like uh, free market capitalism. I get that. Doesn't like Trump because he's blamed the corporate tax cut on getting rid of pensions. That's, I just, it doesn't make it, literally it makes no sense. We use one example of JP Morgan, but his previous examples of that were this vast majority of companies get rid of the pension uh, that came well before the corporate tax cut came. It's just, it's weird, man. I, I just, I don't understand this need to be negative. All It's just odd to me. Uh, I get it because you don't like Trump. I get that, but that happened well before Trump. And the reason is because the more we require employers to pay into social security, the government guarantee, uh, the less employers say, why should I do a pension too? I don't have to scratch for it. I mean, I don't blame employers for that. They're saying, I'll give you a 401k defined contribution, you do have a wonderful divine benefit called Social Security, which we are paying 6.2% in. Ah, nuts, 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 nuts. I just don't, I don't understand why people got to be so upset on this. So again, if you, and then to, uh, to use like the other guy, this guy, Peter, only 63,000 is a median 401k account. That's simply not wrong. It's like, oh, I have a, a bunch of people on my Facebook page that, uh, they just don't read the articles. This is what I mean. This is what it is. The doomsday scenarios are the headlines. That's a propaganda. Don't fall for it, my friends. You got to read the articles. Then you read like my man here was this guy Brian Rezo or something like that talking about uh, the two or three things that could uh, uh, have one or two bad economic reports away from a collapse. Don't fall for it, my friends. Life's too short. Life's too short. It's just as nuts. And uh, it's coming from all areas. You've got to stay true to yourself, which is don't get sucked in by the naysayers because they're they're out there. They're 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 legion. Those of us on the positive side are not. And uh, it's no different than anyone who stands out, you know, standing against the wave of socialism like uh, National Review did Bill Buck in the 50s. You know, we're the only ones out there standing a throt, I think is what Bill Buckley says, saying stop to this increasing encroachment of socialism on your personal liberties. And it's happening here. The more fear they generate, the more government does to, uh, quote, unquote, solve the fear. And then, of course, the more government does to create even more fear. This is never ending cycle. And we've seen this time and again and again. So, all right, my friends, as always, you like what you see. Don't forget to subscribe. Give me a five-star rating, if you will. Uh, don't forget to, uh, if you want to support me, I have a subscribe star page. at subscribestar.com slash Josh Scanlon. Uh, for 10 bucks a month, you can support the show and uh, my YouTube channel as well, which is just go to Heritage Wealth Planning on YouTube, and you can find my YouTube channel. Um, and always a good comment on iTunes or wherever you're finding this on Anchor is always welcome. And again, just I appreciate you listening to the sponsors and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks now.